Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, cretins. Oh, I couldn't even give it my all today, John. <laughs> I don't know what happened to my throat. It, overnight, it just started it started going on me. I was bummed out because I couldn't do uh, my I couldn't do my solid Jamil impression. Yeah, you probably know. tuberculosis or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I usually go straight for the serious stuff too. I'm, yeah. a, I'm that kind of hypochondriac. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Justin Crosley filling in today for uh, Mr. Jamil Zanishef, and uh, of course my good buddy here, John Palmer's. Uh, we're and we're here to do uh, we're here to do Bruce Strong for you. That's right. Yeah. Jamil is having ongoing issues, uh, mysterious ailments that nobody can figure out. Um, he's doing fine, everybody. Don't worry. He just, uh, I don't know, complications with whatever was going on in the first place. Um, and so he just kind of let us know, um, you know, he, he needed to take a little more time. And we said, yep. you go take care of yourself, big guy. That's right. Yeah. We just want him healthy again. Right, yeah. yeah. But, I, you know, I can understand not being in the mood this week, you know. Yeah. Because between appointments and keeping the brewery running and everything. Sure. Well, and he break. takes this stuff very seriously, so he doesn't want to come in here all, uh, you know, lethargic or, or, or bumming out or anything else. He wants to come in here with the usual energy that you all expect from him. So, um, That's right. Yeah, so we just said, hey. Uh, Palmer and I, we're going to take care of this. We got you. We're going to, we got us back for a little while. Yep. But yep. I'm sure he'll be back soon. Uh, in the meantime, we should probably thank Mr. John Blickman over at Blickman Engineering for supporting this show all of these years. God, we love oh, that yes. guy, you know? He's our, our guy. Friend. Yep. Yeah. You have, do you, have, you haven't gone sniper shooting with him, have you, John? I haven't, no. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. I know um, that him and our other friend Brad Smith were going to take, where they were going to sniper school last time I talked to him. Yep, yep. They, they, <laughs> they have a good time doing those, and I forget the name of the camp. It's some pistol shooting camp in Arizona where they get to, you know, uh, do scenarios and clear rooms and, you know, pretend they're... Um, uh, part of a special ops team. Right. It does so, sound like, I make fun of them for it, but it does sound like an awful lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things, yeah, where you kind of like, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I know a, if I want to really spend the money for it, but I'd do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, head on over to BlickmanEngineering.com, um, and you can check out all of their wonderful products, including their Anvil line of products, which were designed um, with John Palmer here, too. So um, yep. go check it all out. All right. On today's program, uh, we are going to be speaking about brewing with oats and wheat and rye and even a bit of torrified rice. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. We've done an adjunct show here on Brew Strong before, and so we are going to cover a little bit about how to brew with adjuncts right now. Um, but we're then going to focus in on these things and, and probably to kind of hone in on how they can be used in hazy beers. Right, John? Yeah, yeah. A good friend of mine is going to join us on the show and talk about the beers he makes. Um, and a great por- portion of them are hazy IPAs. Um, so, you know, uh, in Jamil's absence, we have yet another brewer here to give us uh, some of the inside practical info on brewing with these grains. That's right. Mr. Kip Barnes, who's the brewmaster and founder of Los Angeles Ale Works in Hawthorne, California, will be joining us uh, momentarily to talk about this stuff. So now, if you want a full rundown on uh, brewing with adjuncts, you can go back to our uh, May 2018 show. If you just go to thebrewingnetwork.com, there's a search field, and you can punch in adjuncts. And every show we've ever done that covers adjuncts will pop up there. But probably the first one on the list will be the Brew Strong episode. And that'll really dive into the different types of adjuncts and, and how to brew them. But, John, why don't we just cover some of the key points right now about brewing with adjuncts? Sure. Well, there's two types of adjuncts. There's uh, starch adjuncts, and then there's refined sugars. And we're today we're going to be focusing on our starch adjuncts, and these come from cereal grains uh, other than malted barley. Uh, now, uh, malted wheat is a malt, so that's not technically not an adjunct. Um, but flaked wheat, flaked rye. Um, Oats, all of these uh, cereals are considered adjuncts, and they need to be mashed. And prior to being mashing, they also need to be gelatinized or gelatinized, however you want to pronounce it. Um, And what that means is that you basically get them hot enough in water that the starches dissolve into the water. And once these starches are dissolved, now the enzymes that come from the barley malt can act on them to break them up into sugars in the mash. But uh, gelatinization depends on uh, temperature and also on you know the variety of the, of the cereal you're talking about. So in the case of uh, oats and, and, and wheat, um, the gelatinization temperature for these grains are pretty similar to barley, you know, in that um, 150, you know, 50 degrees, 147 for wheat's a little bit lower. Uh, Rye is a little bit higher, goes up to 158 Fahrenheit or 70 degrees C. Um, Oats, a little bit lower than that, um, 162 degrees Fahrenheit or 72 degrees C roughly. Um, So uh, these grains, uh, rather than being added raw to the mash like wheat can, um, they'll typically be flaked first. And this is a, when we, we, when we talk about flaking a grain, we're talking about pre-gelatinizing it, pre-cooking it. Um, well, I'm wandering all over the place. Uh, well, that's okay. <laughs> so if it's, all right. So I'm going to use, um, I'm going to use oats in my, in my beer. Um, okay. Are you telling me that I have to mash those first, flake them first, before I add them to my main mash with the rest of my barley? Or am I purchasing them flaked, and and that's the process you've just described for me? Yes, you're purchasing them flaked. Uh, The flaking process is where they steam steam cook the oats, which oats otherwise, you know, from right from the field look a lot like barley. Um, 
they uh, steam cook them and then flatten them between rollers. And in flattening them, that gives the flake, you know, the 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 oat that much more surface area hmm. that allows it to hydrate faster in the mash and be converted more easily. Okay. So if you think yeah, if you ahead. think about oatmeal, you know, that you have for breakfast, yep. you'll often buy steel cut oats, and you have to boil those puppies for like twenty minutes before they get soft enough to to chew. The flaking process pre cooks them, flattens them out makes them a lot uh, lot more friable, as we say, and a lot easier, a lot quicker to dissolve in the mash. Okay. So I purchased them this way, and now I add them to my mash a, as normal with the, with the rest of my grains. But you did just describe several different temperatures. So do I have to then do steps in my mash, or was this already done in the gelatination, uh, gelatinization process as well? That was already done as part of the gelatinization. Okay. So, yeah, these these different grains uh, have different gelatinization temperatures. Barley, of course, is our gold standard, and its gelatinization temperature finishes right about 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So when we mash in, we're mashing in hot enough to accomplish that gelatinization at the same time. These other grains that we want to add to mash, uh, it helps if we pre-gelatinize them by flaking or cooking and then add them to the mash uh, at what it would be a, normally a lower temperature than their gelatinization temperature. But, but because that's already been done, they're, they've been pre-solubilized and the enzymes can quickly go to work on them. Okay. So in other words... They're very, very easy for me to use because all the hard work has been done. That's right. Okay, great, great. Um, okay, and is there another kind? I've also heard of a uh, uh, torrefied. Yes. Is there a difference here between flaked and, and torrefied? Yeah. Torrefied is uh, popping. Um, so uh, super sugar crisp, you know, torrefied wheat. Those are your wheat puff cereal, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, torrefied corn is commonly known as popcorn. And so, oh, yeah, you just okay, you got heat it. it up, heat up the kernel, and it pops. And that heating, you know, you're, when you make popcorn, for example, the, you build up steam inside the shell that uh, cooks the kernel and then pops it open, giving lots of surface area and ready to mash. I see. Okay. So, uh, torrefied uh, wheat is is one of the most common, right? Right. And are there other ones besides wheat that, that we might find torrefied? Yeah, you can find, I believe, torrefied rye and torrefied rice ah. as well. Okay. All right. So, that's our rundown. And today, we're focusing on oats, wheat, and rye. And then I think Kip's kind of a specialist in using, in a unique way, torrefied rice also, right? That's right. Okay, great. Well, why don't we take a, a quick break, if that's all right with you, and I believe we're going to be able to get Kip on uh, right when we come back. Sounds good to me. All right. Hang in there. You're listening to Bruce Strong. It's Justin Crosley and John Palmer, and when we come back, we're going to have Kip Barnes on the program with us. Hang in there. We'll be right back. 
Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature march pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. That's right. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you are listening to Brew Strong. I'm Justin Crosley, filling in for Jamil Zanishef. John Palmer, of course, is here. And uh, we are talking about brewing with oat sweet rye and a little torrified rice. And joining us right now is Mr. Kip Barnes, who's the founder and brewmaster at Los Angeles Ale Works in Hawthorne, California. Welcome to the show, Kip. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great that you made time uh, to do this with us, because uh, John tells me you've got some interesting and unique ways of, of using some of these adjuncts we're talking about. So uh, we appreciate your time. No problem. So yeah, Great to have you on. John, where do you want to start with Kip? Well, um, you know, Kip, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, LA Ale Works and uh, your your path along uh craft brewing um for sure yeah my um so i'm I'm a home brewer i'm in front i um i started home brewing in about 2009 with a college friend of mine and uh like a lot of home brewers your your first brew leads to the dream of opening up a brewery um which for me took uh took quite a long time um sometimes some people it takes a little bit longer but um we uh, we kind of planned on making um, you know lots of different beer styles and um, we opened up our brewery in Hawthorne um, at the beginning of 2017 and we have a tasting room and a outdoor patio and we've got about 25 different beers on tap that we all make and you know we make here in in house um, all with the the proper yeast strains and. Um, you know, as, as close to the methods as, as we can get, um, which makes it a little hard to manage all that yeast. But um, we do a lot of uh, different styles, and we like to use a lot of these, these adjuncts in our beers, um, mainly just because uh, they're, they're, fun to, they're fun to play around with, and oftentimes they, they, um, they add some pretty cool flavors. Excellent. I don't envy you the task of all of those beers and all, those ye- and all that yeast, though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it's 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 challenging, but you know, it's it, you when you go to a brewery that uses you know um, Calo One for for all of their beers, like you can usually taste it. It doesn't mean that they're 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 not good. Yeah. Um, it's just when a porter is made with a 
an English style yeast. It just tastes different than when it's made with an American yeast. And, and we just have to do some scheduling to make it taste correctly uh, or to, to, you know, to manage those yeasts. But I, I, I feel like it's worth it. I think you're right, and I I would go as far, I think you'd agree, to say it doesn't just taste different. The the subtleties that that can add just makes it taste better. I To me, uh, I can just tell a quality difference, too, when you start to notice nuances instead of just this is a porter. You know. to- totally agree. And breweries are so, um, are so focused on educating um, consumers. And, um, you know, when you are trying to educate somebody on a new style, especially something that they maybe haven't had before because they're coming off of macro beer, um, I-, I feel like it's really important to try to do your best to, to have it be uh, you know, as uh, maybe not as traditional as possible, but as like specific to the style so that they can learn about it and, and, and know what they're, they're ordering when they start going on their beard. Sure. 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 And I have to comment too, this is just sort of on the, uh, on your business itself and kind of the marketing side. I have to give you props that you got Los Angeles ale works as a name. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've talked here on the brewing network, uh, surprisingly, especially with the population, the Los Angeles area was kind of slow to the craft beer boom. Right. So do you feel like that's how you lucked out and were able to get such a great name? Yeah, I don't know. Like tra- trademarking is so complicated, and it's specifically when it's focused on a uh, a, a region, um, that that's usually like a, a big no no. And uh, we did have to argue with the trademark um, the trademark um, person that was assigned to to our application, but mm. um, they uh, I I don't know how yeah, California Pizza Kitchen I think had a harder time uh, right. Like, yeah, and they have, you know, they have tons and tons of money, but we, we somehow were able to make it work. Is, is the, but, just out of curiosity, because I deal with this trademark stuff all the time, is the problem actually trademarking the name, or was your attorney more concerned that you wouldn't be able to defend the name from everyone else using Los Angeles in theirs? You know, I can't remember what the, what the, um, what the main reason was. I okay. think, I think it has, I think it has a little bit of column A and B. I mean, when sure. it's, when it's associated to a city or a state, um, there's just, there's always just likelihood of confusion because it's a word that gets used so often. Right. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, for us it was, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, we don't, we don't have to defend it because our trademark, like it's, it's so specific. And that was what our argument was. It's like, right. The, the trademark is for Los Angeles ale works, not Los Angeles. And then ale works, you know, understood. Yeah. Well, it's a very memorable name. So listeners, when you're in uh, the LA area next time, you now know to go to Los Angeles ale works over in Hawthorne. Yeah, we're only 15 minutes away from LAX, so you can pop on um, in or out and on your way into the city or out of the city. It's real easy. Oh, that's perfect. 15 minutes is my Uber limit, so yeah. you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's start talking about um, the, the use of, of, of these serial adjuncts that we're talking about. And, yeah. um, you know, do you have any specific beers you could bring up that you use um, uh, cereal adjuncts in? And, and, and hazies obviously would be a great focus for us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, so we definitely use them in our hazies. The, the adjunct world sort of started with me on, on homebrewing, um, uh, actually Pilsners, though. Um, I use a, a, a black, a Chinese black rice um, in a Pilsner, and um, 
And uh, I just, I thought, it, you know, I was reading Randy Mosier's Radical Brewing, and he talks about all these different um, grains and, and things that you can use. Um, and uh, that kind of got me on the path of using sort of like these raw grains um, on the homebrew scale. So I used a lot of these these adjuncts. Um, but as soon as we made our way to the commercial scale, you know, use, you know, cook pre-cooking or you know, uh, 100, 150 pounds of rice gets really, really complicated. So sure. we had to like figure out these different, um, you know, different ingredients like torrified, um, torrified ingredients, um, torrified rice. But for the hazy beers that we make, um, you know, it, I, I remember when we first started making our, our hazy beers, we were, we were not using, uh, flaked rice. We were using, uh, malted wheat, um, or malted rye or, um, obviously barley too. Um, but, um, we've found just in terms of the, the haze retention that these flaked grains do a lot better job of de- introducing like sort of this long lasting haze, long lasting starch, um, just like a better, better look, um, to the beer, or at least what customers that are buying these beers are looking for. Okay. And, you mentioned starch. Is that essentially what we're looking for and what I'm seeing in a, in a hazy beer is starches in solution? Yeah, no. I've, I've listened to a couple of uh, of, uh, of seminars, and I, I think they're still trying to figure this out. There was, a, there was one at the uh, CBC where um, um, a guy was, I forget his name, but he was breaking down, like, what causes haze in hazy beers. Mm. And everyone was basically thinking that it was the yeast that was like staying in suspension and that's like actually a very tiny part of it it sounds like it's it's a lot more complicated than that and a lot of it is protein content which is coming from from grain uh, okay that's well you you can get uh haze you know from starch and that is that is part of the haze on you know like a belgian wit that is made with raw wheat um but in the case of uh, most hazy IPAs, uh, where brewers are using malted wheat, uh, flaked oats, or wheat malt or uh, oat malt, such as um, what's that one called? Golden naked oats. Yeah, the golden naked oats. Um, y- there really is no starch in uh, hazy IPAs from these grains. The all the haze comes from. Uh, hop polyphenol stain in suspension because you're not boiling the hops. Uh, when you boil hops in, in during the boil, hop polyphenols combine with uh, wort proteins and you know agglomerate and settle out as your your hot break and your cold break. Um, but since you're not boiling the hops and you're adding them after most of them afterward in the whirlpool, then there's not the boiling action to accomplish this break material and so all of this haze stays in suspension so that's where most of most uh, haze beer uh, most of the haze and hazy ipa comes from you are these uh hot polyphenols and, and extra work protein that's not uh, uh precipitated during the boil yeah we don't and we also don't you know filter any of any of these beers too so that just adds to it um right right Right. So then, if most of that haze is coming from hot polyphenols, um, I'm led to believe that using oat, wheat, and rye has another purpose, right? like flavor or mouthfeel or something. Well, yeah, but also the oat, wheat, and rye do contribute a lot of uh, protein 
to the word. And because the hops aren't being boiled, you know, it's not that all that protein is staying in suspension and not generating break material, okay. not generating the tube and the boil that it would have otherwise. So a lot more of it stays in solution. And then haze is a protein polyphenol complex. Um, it's Then it becomes a question of uh, is that complex big enough and heavy enough to settle out? And in the case of the high, hazy IPAs, it's not. It just stays in suspension. I see. For quite a period of time. Maybe after two months or so at cold temperatures, it will eventually clear in. But uh, Yeah, we, we use two main strains at our brewery of yeast. Um, and uh, we have a very different um, sort of uh, uh, haze experiences with both of these yeast. One of them is... Uh, is uh, Sactois or Tropical IPA if you're buying from Omega. And the other one is uh, Hornendal, uh, Kavik or Quike or Quick, however people are saying it. I always, I always get corrected and yeah. <laughs> I say it the new way and then I get corrected again. So right. the, Norwegian, the Norwegian yeast that ferments at 100 degrees. Um, but uh, I noticed that with Sactois is a diastaticus yeast, so it, you know, it excretes that enzyme that's breaking up um, uh, breaking up the, the sugars that, yeah. yeah, the dextrins and, um, the, the quike yeast does not do that. Um, and, and so I've, I've kind of thought, but I, I don't know if I'm right, but, um, with Sactois, you get a really like beautiful haze, um, in the first, uh, like week or so of, um, of, uh, of, of like packaging in a can or even a keg. And then after it's been in a keg or can for a week, it actually settles out and, and becomes pretty pretty clear. Um, so we we recommend that people like put their cans upside down or or you know people uh, put the kegs upside down um, if they're serving them at bars, kind of like Allagash does for for Allagash White. Right. Um, however, the Quike um, strain does not have that problem at all. Um, and what I've what I've found in terms of the you know um, what helps that that haze stay um, uh, as long as possible is a really high, well maybe like twenty up to twenty percent or more of flaked wheat. That seems to have the most um, impact on the final beer that I've seen because I use a lot of flaked oats, I use a lot of flaked wheat, and I use a lot of flaked rye, and I'll I'll mix them together or I'll just use one. And my my uh, my experience is. For some reason, that flaked white wheat is the one that seems to be the best color and also the most stable of the of the of the hazes. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I so, don't know why, but so, it, it seems to it seems to happen every time. So that's your go-to, the flaked wheat. I, I like blend, I like mixing them up. I like putting oats and and uh, you know golden naked oats specifically. I like the color from golden naked oats, and I also think the flavor is just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know, for for a really really light color, which is what a lot of these uh, these uh, um, customers are looking for, we use flaked wheat. If we want a more like orange juice like color, like a little bit more of like an orange or burnt orange, we'll we'll use the rye or the or the oats or more gold naked oats, um, along with a lighter base malt or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And can these be made? Without any of these adjuncts, would you not get the same haze? Obviously not the color you're looking for, but without enough protein and things that you're talking about left in solution, uh, do you have to use these to get your hazy right? 
Um, for the color that we're looking for, yeah, like for the final product, I definitely think that we need to, to use it because we've experimented with, um, I mean, one of the things about our brewery, because we have so many taps, we have a lot of tanks. When we opened our brewery, we, we kind of opted to have a bigger cellar so we could have more variety and more experimentation. Um, I've, I've definitely found that, um, yeah, that the, that these, these, uh, um, you know, these adjuncts are, are a big part of at least the process to getting to the, the haze. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the dry hopping is, you know, we, it's, it's, it's That's an important it's, aspect. Yeah. It's so intense. I mean, it's just like, you know, I go from a Pilsner where I'm like, you know, throwing in like two pounds of hops and then I'm like, you know, throwing in 88 pounds of <laughs> yeah. 160 pounds of hops into this other beer. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Right. It's the difference between throwing your wallet in and throwing your bank account in, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> those, are, those are scary days in the brew house. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. if you yeah, if you look at these classic styles like whip beer or Hefeweizen, I mean, they're really... They're really high percentage of wheat, um, and and this last half of Eisen we did, I tried um, instead of using all malted wheat, I used um, uh, I used I split that between malted wheat and flaked wheat, and um, I think the color is really beautiful, and it looks a lot different than it did last year. It's just basically the same recipe, and the only thing, the only thing I changed was the was just splitting the malted wheat with malted wheat and uh, and and flaked wheat. Okay. Yeah, I well, bet that is a pretty looking beer. Yeah, you get a little brighter uh, or more haze and uh, so on from that. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we run out of time with you, I want to go back to something you mentioned in the beginning, and and that's using torrified rice in your pilsner. Yeah. So what does that add for you? Well, so uh, the idea behind it was looking at these, you know, sort of um, international style. And actually, I mean, I guess domestic, it was domestic, um, you know, the big macro breweries use these, these adjuncts and, you know, it's kind of a, you know, the thought that they're using these adjuncts to make, you know, their beer cheaper and w- whatever the reason is that they're using them. Sure. But the result is, you know, drying the beer out and, and making them more crisp and lightening the body and doing all these things. Um, but typically when you're using um, a rice syrup or, or even some varieties of uh, flaked rice, you're not really, you're not really uh, getting any sort of flavor contribution, at least that, that I can taste. And so when we make beer, we really want people to like know why we use something. And um, if I'm trying to make like a Kirin clone, like I wouldn't, you know, worry about this, but that's not what we're doing. So we use, um, BSG actually sells this really awesome uh, uh, torrified uh, puffed jasmine rice, and it has this amazing flavor to it. It's like super nutty. I mean, it's just like jasmine rice that you would make at home, except it's it's torrified, and which makes it way easier to use in a commercial brewery. Hmm. Um, but we use uh, we use that in our pilsner. It's called Palmera Pils, and um, it's about twenty percent of this jasmine rice. And it, it just it's a really crisp beer. Um, it has a little bit of a nutty finish from the rice. If your if your palate is uh, trained enough to taste it, um, but we also um, we kind of uh, we have like a um, three beers that we make with rice in it that are in the lager family. We have a, a beer called uh, a Dead Cowboy, which is a um, a red rice lager. So we use the torrified red uh, Colasari rice from BSG, and then we um, you know make this Forbidden Pills, which is a 
a pilsner with um, with this bla- this puffed black uh, Chinese rice, which is actually not on the market yet. It's something that we've been experimenting with, um, um, and um, I think we're the the first brewery to to use this this product. And I'm I'm really hoping that we can get it into the market so other people can use it because it's really really cool hmm. and it adds a significant amount of color and um, and flavor. And it's also kind of a it's a really interesting ingredient because typically when people are using rice in beer, they're using polished rice that doesn't have a hole because, um, or doesn't have the bran on the outside because the bran has a lot of vitamins and minerals, which may not be good in a German beer because it gives the yeast the wrong types of nutrients that will affect flavor. Hmm. Um, but the black rice has like the full bran on it. So it has a lot of manganese in it and other things. And, the, the end result is very, very unique and it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Wait. I get excited about it. And so the Forbidden Pills is a black pilsner? Because you did oh, say it contributes so, a lot of color. So Yeah, Forbidden, forbidden Pills, yeah, is it, it ends up being kind of like a, a rosy pilsner. Because the, wow. the, the component that makes that rice purple is anthocyanin, and it's also really heavy. So after fermentation and lagering, all, most of the color drops out. But when I made it on the homebrew scale and it was smaller, the the, the head was actually a cotton candy pink, and the beer looked like a just like a slightly darker pilsner. Wow! And I, that was super cool. But I haven't been able to recreate it on the commercial. <laughs> oh I don't no! Know if that's, if it's fortified or not? But I still want to try this beer so bad. It sounds it's so unique. Yeah, it's really cool. It's kind of like. Um, it tastes uh, like um, kind of like a, like a cross between like a pilsner and sake and like mochi wow. crisp with mochi crackers. Like it has a really cool flavor to it. I it was very popular. That. So that's so especially with you sort of describing at first that American light lagers use rice as an adjunct, and then you describe that flavor. I can see that being like a a really unique hybrid. You know, not quite all of the flavor, uh, or at least the same flavor as an all-malt pills, but certainly more so like a sake than an American light lager. Yeah. You know? It it kind of blends that line, and it gets, you know, it starts to become, like, um, just a little bit more unique. And, you know, we we make, you know, Palmera pills is very, the the main, you know, is one of our main beers, and that's the jasmine rice lager. And Mm -hmm. for people that are coming in looking for, like, a light, you know, beer, like that's what we give them. And, you know, they're very happy with it. Um, they, they probably don't notice the nuance, but with forbidden pills, it's the same percentage of rice. And it's like, it's just, it's crazy how much flavor and color it adds to the beer. And it's just sort of, it's another just sort of talking point, like how a different ingredient can change like the, the final flavor of your beer. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you, clarify, do you clarify all these pilsners? Yeah, we use Biofine okay. uh, typically. We're getting a centrifuge, but we don't have it yet. Okay. Yeah. And, and the Dead Cowboy you mentioned with red rice, does that also have a color difference? Yeah, that one's a little different because its base malt is not a pilsner malt. We actually use Best Malt Red X, which I think is just a really cool malt for anybody that hasn't used it yet. It's... um. It has the color and the flavor of like a crystal malt, but it's like almost a hundred percent, or it's very very highly fermentable. Okay. So you can use you can use uh you can use it up to a hundred percent of your of your your grist, and you can get like a you know like a 
a normal beer out of it. Wow. Uh, so it has like a it has its own sort of like sort of caramely like color but or, or caramely flavor and color, but it's not sweet. So the beer is super dry, but it's like it looks like a red ale, um, but uh, but it's a lager. So it's so we we're kind of like we're kind of going off of you know maybe it's loosely related to a Vienna lager, but then it's twenty percent of this red rice, which also has this sort of toasty like popped corn sort of uh in it in a good way <laughs> toasty popped corn like uh, uh flavor and it's it's a really cool beer too yeah very easy drinking yeah i am so goddamn thirsty right now kip after <laughs> those descriptions yeah and i'm actually looking at my calendar i'm going to be down there at the end of the month so i think i cannot resist i gotta go in and try these pilsners yeah you you're you're probably i don't uh i won't have forbidden pills that's the one that i won't have because okay. uh we got the only the only rice that was made, and we did the test batch and got it, and it did well. And now we just got to try to get them to make more. So I got to take a trip, right? And talk to people. Uh, that's uh, fair. Dead cowboy sounds delicious. Also, I love the idea of the the color and the flavor of like an amber, um, but without the sweetness. You know, like I, you couldn't get me to buy a straight amber ale to save my life. Um, <laughs> But a lager with those characteristics that's dry, I'll drink that all day. It sounds great. You'd be a good uh, you'd be a good candidate to kind of give us feedback because that you know that's uh, that's that's a that's a cool that's a cool sort of customer base like to to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know you're a little short on time, Kip. We caught you in the middle of your work day, um, but I do want to. Yeah, thanks for all the information. Of course, yeah. Um, if, uh, thanks so much for having having me on. If you have another couple of minutes, do you have like a just maybe a little rundown of like uh, tips and and maybe even uh, tips and tricks or like you know issues you've run into using any of these adjuncts that people should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the rice, uh, torrified rice, is you know just like. I mean, it's it's a little easier to work with than um, than you know in terms of like mashing and loudering than um, than some of the flaked grains, but it can at a higher percentage kind of present the same sort of gummy um, sort of uh, louder um, that you get from using some of the flake grains. So um, you know, twenty percent of your grist is like a really great place to start. If okay. you go too much lighter. You probably aren't going to taste much um, for our um, for our brute IPA that we do, which is like a collaboration with the LA Philharmonic. That one is twenty five percent jasmine rice, um, and you definitely notice a difference in the body. But it's so covered up by hops, you wouldn't be able to taste the the, the rice in there. Um, but with the yeah, with I I uh, I have a you know we have a very um, sort of. Uh, um, our, our brew house makes a lot of makes a lot of like very like rustic beer. Um, our, our louder is always like tough when we use a lot of um, these grains we, or these adjuncts, and we we use a lot of them. So I mean, I guess I would just say that use a lot of rice holes um, okay. <laughs> if you're increasing the amount of, uh, of of these flaked grains or torrified grains. That's usually the the my go to. Or you can't ever have too many rice holes in there, especially. Yeah. For every three, two or three bags of uh, of flaked oats or flaked wheat, I, I've got a whole bag of rice holes in there. Okay, so it's like a kind of a three to one weight ratio then. Yeah, I forget how much the big bags of rice holes weigh, but um, 
Yeah, they're, I think they end up being around 55 pounds. So I put a whole bag of rice holes in when I'm doing these these juicy beers. Okay. Um, and, and I'll do the same thing with uh, – maybe I'll do like half that for, for, for our Palmera pills. We don't really have as much of a problem with the jasmine – jasmine rice or the red rice um, if we go to if we go over that for some of the more experimental rice beers we might we might run into an issue yeah but protein uh rice doesn't have the protein that the uh oats and wheat and rye do so that's probably the big difference in lauderability there yeah and when we um when we uh did forbidden pills the first time we used all raw black rice and that was extra gummy because it wasn't torrified. We had to cook it in a big boil kettle and then put it in the put it in the mash tun um, after we had ground it up and everything. And that was a really really tough. That was a tough day. Um, I bet so. Yeah, <laughs> I it get, was still worth it. <laughs> with, with that advice, just every new brewer just always have rice in the brew house. Uh, I I went to a collab brew. It wasn't my collab. It was a friend of mine's brewery, and the, and this other brewery had traveled to, to brew with them it was a new recipe for this brewery and uh yeah that mash just took 10 hours and i was like don't you just have a stack of rice sitting over in the corner i thought every brewery has a stack of, of bags of rice holes so um anyway keep a stack of rice holes i always i always have a bunch on hand that and i, I always over buy bags of wheat and bags of uh bags of oats. I, I find, um, I mean, actually another tip that I've, I've found, um, helps with head retention. Um, cause it's something we battle sometimes is throwing a, um, a bag of flaked wheat, um, into like an IPA recipe, um, mm. helps head retention a lot, even after like things have been fined. I, I notice a huge difference. Interesting. Okay. And a bag, you're not going to get any flavor contribution from a bag of flaked weed or uh, or problems with mashing at that point. You're just adding for head retention. Yeah, you you, you might get a little bit of flavor. Okay. I mean, you know, it changes the body. I mean, everything you add in there changes a little bit. A, a bag can be. I mean, we're a ten barrel brewery, so a bag can be impactful. I mean, if you're brewing on a huge system, right. maybe maybe not so much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anything else we need to know? I mean, I think that's it. I mean, just experiment and yeah. get ready to pull your hair out. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 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 uh, or do jumping jacks and 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 uh, you know wait for that louder to get fit while you wait for that louder to finish. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Great advice. Well, Kip Barnes, he's the brewmaster and founder at Los Angeles Ale Works in Hawthorne, California. Kip, thanks so much for hanging out with us and sharing your knowledge. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Take care. We're going to take a real quick break. And uh, when we come back, uh, Mr. Palmer and I will wrap things up and, um, and, and, and make sure that you know how to use these things in your beer. So hang in there. It's Brew Strong, and we'll be right back. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, and thanks to Kip Barnes uh, from Los Angeles Ale Works. That was some good info, John. Yeah, yeah. I had a chance to visit with him while we were up in Yakima last week. And uh, we, we, of course, he and I got to talking about water. So I popped down earlier uh, this week, or I guess this past weekend. And uh, we 
did a little water uh, testing and so on. Nice. But uh, yeah, I got started trying all his different beers with these with these different adjuncts, um, like the the Dead Cowboy, you know, Red Lager, and uh, the uh, the Palmera Pills, uh, rice, you know, Jasmine Rice Lager, just you know, exceptionally fine beers. Um, great, really great flavors, you know, and uh, yeah. So as we were talking about what we're gonna do for this show, it's like. You know, these adjuncts, they really do add a lot of key flavors that you don't get from barley alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a, a show um, <laughs> last year, uh, Jamil and I were talking about IPAs, or maybe we were just doing a general Q&A show. And a person asked, uh, how can we get American Turo to brew, you know, a real West Coast IPA? Mm. And uh, it kind of made us laugh because... Um, honestly, American Two Row is about the blandest base malt you can okay. find. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we're all we're all trying to you know get a hold of you know Wireman Pale or Maris Otter Pale Ale or you know these other more interesting base malts. Right. Um. But uh, but actually, to make you know some so if you take a pale a pale ale malt that has some actual malt flavor to it. But you want to make it more neutral, like American Two Row, uh, you can add uh, wheat malt, and you know the wheat doesn't have the same malty flavor that barley does, so mm. it helps dilute that. And I, I've always, or yeah, I, I've frequently used um, you know twenty, ten, twenty percent of wheat malt in some of my IPA recipes over the years, both for better head retention, but it also kind of makes that beer lighter and a little bit uh, drier tasting because it doesn't have the barley sweetness um, that you get from an all-malt beer at around, say, 10, 1050, 1060 OG. Got it. Okay. Well, that's good advice, too. Stay, yeah. away, from, stay away from that all-bland American two-row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everything, every ingredient has its place. And sure. When we're talking about these hazy IPAs, you know, um, they really do, they, you know, as people say, it's unfortunate that they're labeled with IPA because they really are their own style. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's the wheat, it's the, the oats. Um, and in Kip's case, he uses some rye as well, which I've always loved rye IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, always seems to add some real interesting flavor. Me too. Uh, to, to the beers. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, experiment with these with these adjuncts and I think you'll 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 find as a, a brewer that they'll add a lot of flavor to your beer as well. Okay. And it sounds like these are kind of the main takeaways, you know, from from Kip with us is that uh, as he said at the very end, yeah, experiment. Um yeah. don't shy away from some of these adjuncts. Uh make sure you have some rice holes around as you're doing it. Um, yep. and, and look for even new ones like he's done with, with uh, red rice and then got to experiment with this black rice. Um, you know, get in there and play with it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really exciting. It's nice that uh, BSG, you know, is, is uh, stocking these things and bringing them in. I know every year we go to the Craft Brewers Conference and uh, all the different maltsters are, are introducing new products. Um, and uh, it, it is fun to experiment Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to about do it for us today, right, John? Yeah, I think so. 
In our next episode, uh, coming up uh, shortly in your podcast feed, we're going to be talking about off flavors with our friend Brian Shar, who is a master BJCP judge. Actually, he's like a super grandmaster or something. I forget. Um, and, and yeah, yep. he's a very good judge. He is. And John and he are going to uh, walk us through uh, some of the you know more common off flavors in your beer. And then uh, hopefully, John, you'll you'll help us avoid them, too. Yeah, that's that's the general idea. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody, here on Brew Strong. Uh, Jamil Zanishef will be back in future episodes. Don't you worry. Uh, we're just letting him heal up a little bit. Um, so more Brew Strong to come. Uh, thanks again to Kip Barnes. Uh, check out Los Angeles Ale Works. And I'm going to go down there and try that beer out, John. I don't think I can resist. It just sounds so All good. All right. Yeah. We'll go. <laughs> All right, Mr. Palmer. Thank you, sir. Bruce Strong, everyone. Bruce Strong.